welcome everybody back to the Stick a Fork in It podcast. This is a podcast of Feeding Tampa Bay where we talk about food and all sorts of other fun things. And uh, today our guest is going to be introduced by my co-host, Miss Shannon. Morning. Morning. Welcome everybody. And I'm really excited. I'm so lucky. Um, This is our third podcast actually. And so far it's been uh, friends we've invited in the building. And um, we have a good friend of actually Tampa Bay as a whole. I think everybody knows your name. Right. Uh, that's all I'm saying. I Welcome, like, Ernest Hooper. I like that description. Yeah. Friend of Tampa Bay. That's who I am. It I'm is. A friend of Tampa Bay. You are, and you have been for a long time, a really long time, actually. So um, most people know you and had known you, and I, I, I obviously I trolled some of your stuff before the show. I thought I knew a lot about you, actually, and I was really surprised by it. Some a little shocking, some not so much. So it was 27 years. Four months, 23 days. Did and, you have it down to the minutes? Uh, I did not calculate it down to the minute, but I, I did count all the days. Yes, 23 days. Yeah. A sign of the times. Yes. Starting with the St. Petersburg Times. <laughs> yeah, back in 1992. Uh, I started uh, at the Times as a, a high school sports writer and um, worked my way up uh, to covering the National Football League. And then um, I ended up becoming a community news columnist because uh, my father died on Super Bowl week and my old high school girlfriend showed up at his funeral. And if you'd like to know the details behind that There's story, a good you, have, story there. you have to take me for a drink. But <laughs> oh, wow. It's a, it's a really good story, though. Yeah. Yes. So sum uh, it up quick. No, nah, I can't. I can't. It's it's it's. It's, it's complex. It's complex. Okay. But, but, but a decision uh, point for you. Oh, without a doubt. And um, actually, many years later, um, I found an email from my old high school girlfriend and I thanked her for coming to my dad's funeral and for looking really good at my dad's funeral because that was, that was key to uh, helping me pivot in terms of my professional career. Has she shown up looking bad? <laughs> I might still be a sports writer. So I, I can't tell you anymore. I'm, t- I'm just, just, you know, okay. Wow, it sounds wow. like we need podcast after dark to get the rest of that. Story. Yeah, all right. Well, like I said before, before we started, we'll transition into beverages one day, maybe food and beverages. Um, but I think, you know, the thing that really strikes me is that, for whatever reason it was, I'm so glad it happened because yes. I feel like the way I came to know your work uh, and the way a lot of people know you in our community is that you tell great stories that otherwise probably would not be heard by a lot, a lot of people. Oh, I really appreciate that, Matt. You know, it's, it's, um, it evolved uh, into that. When I started, I wasn't really sure uh, what to do with the opportunity. I just knew I had the opportunity. And coming out of sports, um, my eyes were kind of widened to everything that was happening in the community. And I began to learn about different nonprofit efforts and see that uh, they really weren't getting the attention that they deserved. And so I started playing in the margins, as we like to say, and shining the spotlight on those people who make our community great and I took a lot of pride in that being part of my brand. 
You know, there were other moments where I'd get on my political soapbox and pontificate about something. But uh, the best columns were always those that um, inspired people to, to do more and, and help in our community. So is there a particularly memorable column or story or, or person from that time when you were starting to, to tell stories from the margins? Well, I'll, I'll tell you this story. Um, I'd say after a few years of being a columnist, a very good friend of mine, we, we remain friends today, but um, I met her in that period. Her, her name was Laura Randall. And at the time, she was working for the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation. And she said, hey, you should be my honorary chair for our Great Strides event. And I was like, who, who are you talking to? Who? <laughs> you. You should do this. You're a part of this community. You're, you're one of our thought leaders. And I really didn't see myself um, in that light. But uh, through her encouragement, I got involved with that event and began to realize I could do more than just write about nonprofits, that I could play a role in actually helping them as a volunteer, as an MC, as a keynote speaker. And so I always credit her for helping um, develop that perspective for me and, and, and giving life to that unofficial ambassador role that I eventually assumed at the times. So really everything has led to this moment where you're on a podcast with us. That's what I hear. Pretty much, pretty much. Um, there, there's been a lot that have that led to me being here today, you know, uh, not to mention, uh, not the least being uh, Mandy Cloninger yep. and, and her outreach and getting me uh, tuned in to what was happening at the Trinity Cafe. Uh, which was another uh, passion um, that I had in terms of helping nonprofits. So, um, you know, uh, all along the path, there are those different people who uh, inspired you in some form or fashion. And and I would say Thomas Mance is on that path. I would say Mandy, uh, Laura Randall. Vicky Sokolik at Starting Right Starting now. now. That's a great uh, organization. Oh, outstanding organization. And, uh, you know, uh, Deanna Ward at Big Brothers Big Sisters. All along the way, if people have reached out to me and, and have said, hey, Ernest, can you help in this regard? Or can you help in that regard? And um, it's meant a lot to me to, to do my little small part, to be that little small cog in a much bigger machine that makes this community great. Well, it's a really powerful role to play because you're kind of, you know, even just your story of, of your evolution at the times, you're at this intersection between sports and the nonprofit world and storytelling. And we know, you know, here, when you walk through our warehouse, you see a giant Tampa Bay Bucks banner and you see a full-size goal and a hockey stick and a puck from the lightning. And, uh, the Rays are certainly huge partners of ours. And so we are very fortunate to live in a community that has sports teams, sports owners, and athletes who are committed to this kind of work. And I'm sure those are some of the stories that you love to tell when you were on the beat. Sure. And, and, and that uh, was a big part of uh, what I did as a columnist. Again, 
Um, it's, it's the people in the margins. When you have an athlete who gets into trouble, who gets arrested, uh, there's no shortage of people who want to write about that story, who want to write about, you know, the negative. But when you have an athlete who is uh, out and about trying to help people uh, or a sports franchise that's giving back to the community, um, it, it's, uh, there's a jaundiced view of yeah. what they're doing among some. Uh, there's a, you know, they're jaded and, and they categorize it as, oh, they're just doing that for publicity. Ah, oh, they're just doing that to try to make themselves look good. Hey, it's not about their motivation so much as it is about are they having an impact? Maybe they are doing it for good publicity. What's wrong with that? That's right. What's, I mean, honestly, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with making it part of your mission to be part of the community and then following through and actually having an impact? That needs to be celebrated instead of judged. You know, I think we're starting to kind of develop a theme with that around here. This is it's a great week to have this conversation because earlier this week, Lauren and Tony Dungy were actually at Trinity Cafe serving. and. Our first podcast was with Ian Beckles, and, and one of the things that we talked about was how Coach Dungy was so influential on his desire to serve the community. And, you know, when you think about the history of, of athletes in Tampa Bay and the, the service that they've contributed to our, our world and our community, you know, Warwick Dunn and Houses and Derek Brooks and all the work he does across a dozen different nonprofits, but especially with his school, there's just so many great stories of of how committed people are to the community. And I even saw one today about uh, Ryan McDonough and the work he does with cancer patients. Right, you know? right. Uh, I'm, I'm pleased to say that uh, over the years, I, I wrote some of those stories, even when I was uh, in sports. Uh, I was there when Warwick gave away uh, his first three homes. Yeah. And it was so uh, moving. I get chills even today thinking about it. Um, one of the recipients was um, a woman who um, was actually taller than Warwick. And uh, I mean, that wasn't too hard. I, I, I was going to say, <laughs> yeah, well, we I love knew Warwick. him in those yes. times then. And yeah. Probably. So Warwick was generously listed at 5'10, five, 5'9. Five, and so um, <laughs> she grabs him and gives him this bear hug. And I, I, I'm literally, I thought she was going to squeeze the life out of him. And she said, the people at work told me not to hurt you. And, and she, she is just, she will not let him go. And um, it, was, it was just so awesome to see um, uh, that emotion. Yeah, that beautiful moment. authentic uh, emotion uh, between, you know, between two people who, we're strangers, but yeah, I, I, I still remember that. That was uh, one of my more memorable stories. Well, and it's amazing to think we're close to 200 houses in for him now or something like that. I read recently that was, you know, yeah, the fact that he's, yeah, the fact that he's sustained that effort is, is outstanding. So it's we really even, good. Yeah, it's go really ahead, good Sharon. to see that, um, you know, the Tony Dungy area, era Buccaneers continue in this community to move forward. That team uh, still has their foundations. They still create
create an impact in, in our community, and they just, most of them still live here. Yeah, and they were inspired by Coach. Uh, yeah. Derek Warwick, John Lynch, Mike Allstott. Yeah. Um, and like you said, we continue to see them uh, delivering give today. So, um, like I said, those those stories need to be celebrated um, as much as uh, the stories when athletes stray off the path and, yeah. and, and get in trouble. There, there needs to be a balance well, and between the, those things. The thing that I always appreciated about your writing was that when you wrote those stories, my memory is that it was not all about Warwick, not all about Derek. It was as much about the woman receiving the house. Yes, right? yes. Um, so often those stories are the faceless people being helped by this one famous person. And you did a great job of kind of flipping that around and telling the story from the other side as well. Well, and, and the goal is always to create a vision so people understand uh, these aren't bad people. These aren't freeloaders. These aren't uh, uh, people who are sponging off the right. system. You have to fight against that stereotype and make sure people understand that uh, these recipients are some of the most deserving people in our community. And uh, they should be championed as much as the athlete. Right. And that's, in a lot of ways, that's the story of Trinity Cafe. You know, that's one of the things that I love is that it really is a place where you can see people working as hard as anybody else to get their way back to a place of, of safety and security. You know, they don't necessarily want to be in a place where they need charitable food support, where they want to have to take advantage of a food relief system, but that's why we're here. And to provide that opportunity and a bridge back to a life where they're, you know, fully capable. We talk a lot here about our, our outcomes. You know, food is what we have. It's our resource. But the outcomes we're looking for are health and capability. Right, right. And and what I love about feeding Tampa Bay um, is that you are delivering that aid uh, while allowing the recipient to retain their dignity and their pride. And how can we expect to create that bridge? How can we expect them to get back to being uh, self-sustaining if we don't deliver that aid with dignity and and with the opportunity for them to retain their pride and not um, and not feel bad right. for uh, needing help. All of us at some point uh, have, have have needed some kind of assistance. Uh, all of us can point to moments where someone stepped up for us. You know, someone gave me my first opportunity. Um, when I started at the University of Florida, I went in to uh, see the sports director at the campus radio station. Hey, I'd like to be on the radio. Do you have any experience? No. Okay, we'll see you on Monday. You know, and I'm still grateful to Larry Vitale. And I've told Larry Vitale that um, there's a real chance I might have ended up being uh, an assistant manager at Denny's without his help. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with being an assistant manager at a Denny's. Right. But I don't think that was my destiny. And and thanks to Larry, you know, I I ended up fulfilling my dream of of being a journalist so and and there are people all like i was saying before there are people all along the way 
who I'm so grateful for because um, they've given me that opportunity. And you guys are giving people opportunities to, to change, to improve, to grow, to uh, change the trajectory of their lives. And what could be more important than that? Well, and there's something really powerful to what you're saying about being able to recognize where you got that opportunity and who gave you that open door and then seeing that path all along the way that it's not just once that it's over and over again somebody believed in you somebody gave you an opportunity we actually did a really cool exercise uh thomas and i went to feeding america for um a conference and it was about transformational leadership and and one of the things they made us do was kind of write out our own path like that Mm -hmm. and identify people and organizations and opportunities that really kind of propelled us along the way. And then it, it really offered us the opportunity to think about how we can be that for others. Well, and I'm a huge believer in serendipity. Uh, you know, no matter what your faith is, uh, I think every religion uh, speaks about a higher power, or most every religion. And, you know, there are times where I've seen uh, things transpire that uh, you may call a coincidence. I call it something much different. I remember um, at the Trinity Cafe, I was trying to help Mandy uh, bring in some potential donors. And so I reached out to Yvette Segura at USAA. And I was saying to Mandy, now, you know, USAA is all about helping veterans. And that's what they want to do. you know, maybe we should go out and like get some of those veteran ball caps or some veteran t-shirts and put it on the regulars who come in. And man, it's like, oh, Ernest, we can't do that. What are you saying? I was like, (laughs) I'm just saying, you know, we know that there are veterans who come into the cafe from time to time, but we don't know if they're going to be here today that USAA visits. So, we, you know, we could kind of gain the system. She's like, no, we're not doing that. So, Yvette comes in with her staff on this particular day, and lo and behold, there are like eight veterans coming through, sitting at tables with their Navy veteran hats on and with their veteran T-shirts on. And the people uh, on her staff are also veterans, and they get the opportunity to sit down and talk to them. And, hey, where were you stationed? I was stationed here. Oh, I was stationed there. Yeah, I've been, you know, you, you ever seen the military veterans? Oh, yeah. They have yeah. like this code when they talk to each other and they talk about TDYs and this and that. And you don't really, you know, if you're not a veteran, you don't get it. But, you know, that happened. Was that a coincidence or was someone greater than us trying to help the Trinity Cafe? And sure enough, you know, they were inspired by those conversations and by seeing that the cafe helps veterans. And so, you know, they uh, ended up making a significant donation. You know, I, I, I just I'm constantly believing that serendipity uh, is is a force in our lives. And I think I saw it that day. Yeah, absolutely. I was worried there for a second. This was going to be a Kate Beckinsale movie <laughs> conversation. <laughs> Not quite. Glad Not we quite. went the other direction. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> So, but you know, I, I want to highlight you and the a word that you mentioned that that we talk about and 
we believe in and we really, really try to keep right at the front of everything we do. And that word is dignity. Yes. So I love you guys, man. And, um, you know, it is so important. You can't, you know, you, you can't uh, demean um, in this work. And it's something you have to guard against. And I think um, I saw some articles over the holidays about how, as a society, we have to find a way to open our hearts 12 months out of the year yes, instead of one month out of the year. And, hey, it's great. Yes, Thanksgiving, Christmas, important holidays. We, we want people to, to enjoy those holidays, to find joy in those days. But every day matters. Every week matters. And we're almost guilty of a disservice if we only show up Thanksgiving and Christmas. That's right. We, we, you know, You're absolutely speaking uh, our language. Our, we talk about that quite a bit. Right, yeah. right. Our philanthropy has to extend throughout the year and um it's one of the things i'm loving about my new role is that um the american cancer society where i'm now working uh you know we have a focus in the spring on our relay for life events um and then in may we will have the cattle barons ball at armature works that'll be for all of tampa bay and then in July, we will turn our attention to making strides against breast cancer. And there will be events in Pasco, in Pinellas, in Hillsboro, um, out in Polk, um, down in Sarasota, where we, again, um, you know, emphasize trying to help people, trying to uh, inspire cancer survivors. Uh, trying to help those who who are battling cancer and, you know, raising funds that not only go towards research, but they do. Our funds do come back to this community um, in different ways that I'm not sure everyone is aware of. We have a program called Road to Recovery, where we provide rides uh, for patients uh, who need treatment. And you may think, well, who would miss a chemotherapy treatment? Who would miss a radiation treatment because they can't get a ride? It's a very real problem. Absolutely. Your spouse probably has already taken off several days at work to help you um, establish that initial treatment. They may not be able to get more vacation. Uh, you may have a teenager who can drive, but they're in school. And we have had some folks who have skipped their treatments simply because they couldn't get a ride. So we have a volunteer force that uh, goes through training and learns how to uh, deliver patients. And, you know, they're, they're filling a, a very important need. And we can't always think, oh, well, they can just call Uber or they can just, you know, when you are battling cancer, there's an expense at every turn and you need to minimize Cancer is crippling for the person and the family. And the family, yes. And, uh, devastating financially, you know, mm. and all the pressures that come with it. Yes. So we're very fortunate to have that in the community. Right, right. So that's one way our, our funds come back to the community. Um, we talk about funding research. Uh, some of that research is taking place right here at Moffitt Cancer Center. 
Uh, last year, we gave a $734,000 grant to a researcher at Moffitt. That's $734,000. That's in this community, helping her um, do the critical research uh, that, uh, to hear her tell it, could bring an end to one of um, the many cancers that we're fighting. Um, between the HPV vaccine and improving screening on the other end, we may be able to bring an end to cervical cancer in our lifetime. And, and that's happening here. Um, we also fund the Hope Lodge, which is a residential facility for cancer patients who are being treated at Moffitt. Um, in many instances, when you're being treated, you have to stay close to the cancer center. You need to be within a 15-minute drive. And, you know, Moffitt has patients coming from all over the state and sometimes outside of the state. And they need lodging so they can stay close to the cancer center. The Hope Lodge provides that and provides meals. And we have different volunteers come through uh, to serve those meals. Uh, Hooters uh, shows up on the second Tuesday of every month to uh, provide wings and boneless wings and Philly cheesesteak sandwiches. Fun food. And, yeah. a, and, of course, tater tots. We would be upset with That's Hooters right. if they didn't bring the tater tots with everything else. And uh, those uh, patients, those caregivers who are staying with the patients, they are so grateful. And it leaves an indelible impression. And months after they've received treatment, uh, the patients and the caregivers return to the North Tampa Hooters and seek out the server. Hey, is is Sally here? I just wanted to see her again and say thanks. That's great. Or is is you know is Joyce here? And so, um, you know, those are the kind of contributions that we are celebrating at the society. People who realize the challenge of a cancer journey and are stepping up to help us make that journey a little easier. The Humana Foundation and Feeding Tampa Bay work together to address food insecurity. Our goals are to strategically bring about healthy outcomes and create meaningful, sustainable change for our neighbors throughout the 10-county region that we serve. You'll find out more this spring. One hint, FoodRx. Learn more about it at feedingtampabay.org programs. Well, it's so great that you know, like we were talking about earlier, the journey that has led you to that point, what better opportunity uh, to share your gifts for storytelling than to tell those stories of cancer survivors and of, of the challenges that go alongside it. You know, it's uh, it's been 10 years now, but I, I lived through that in my family with my father. And, um, you know, the all of the challenges you just could not even imagine until you're right in the middle of it. And at that moment, you're not mentally prepared to handle it. And so having a group like the American Cancer Society who is there for you in those moments is just, uh, it's so incredibly helpful. And I'm really glad that you're there to tell the stories. Yeah, it's, um, it's really an honor uh, to have this new role and to use my storytelling to try to help the society. And uh, I'm putting together stories and posting them on our f- Facebook page. Go ahead, American, go ahead and plug it. American I've, Cancer Society Florida is. I've been watching uh, the page that all of our communication directors in the state use to uh, post those inspirational stories, and so uh, that's key. 
And I'm also grateful to the folks in the media who have been receptive to my pitches and given us the opportunity um, to, to share the story of the society. Uh, Ryan Gorman at um, iHeartRadio gave us an opportunity. Uh, Cindy Edwards in uh, Daytime uh, gave us an opportunity. Linda Hurtado may be our number one yeah. super fan when it comes to people in the media who are supporting the society. And she gave us uh, an opportunity to talk about uh, Tuesday was World Cancer Day. We got a chance to talk about that and talk about our upcoming Relay for Life events. And so um, for those in the media who are listening, I will be making more ask yes. <laughs> and respectfully return the call. Yeah, please. Um, I'm sure show will. show some love, That's and right. uh, because we have to keep uh, mining for those opportunities. Y- you guys know what I'm talking about. You Absolutely. reach out to some of the same people, and and I, I know I've heard. I know Ryan has had you guys yes. on yes, uh, Best of the Bay, uh, and I know Cindy has had you guys Quite on daytime often. also. So yeah, um, so I'm just. It's just interesting to be on the other side. I used to be that guy granting the opportunities. Right. Now I'm the guy. Requesting. I don't think begging is too strong. No, it's requesting. It's requesting. I think we are very fortunate to live in in a community um, from a media perspective, because I also have been on the other side and they're very um, welcoming and they like to share the good stories balanced with, again, you you spoke about when you were on the other side. Um, that uh, the sensational stories, they like to share the warm and heartfelt as well and remind people that there's good out there. And I think we have um, from every avenue, from radio, television, digital, that supports us very warmly, um, especially presented by people who come from the side that understands that what they need. And I think, Ernest, you're delivering that very well, I'm certain. So. Yeah, no. And they I'd, appreciate I'd, that. So I'd, I try to... Um, I try to deliver room service. Exactly. That's what I like to call right? it. You know, I, I want the, the full um, main course ready for you to share. So yeah. that's <laughs> so we've had. We don't need to share too many tips because <laughs> yeah. that's how don't we get what we get. Right. 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 But I, I, I'll tell you, we, we've had some volunteers and some, some, some survivors uh, uh, step up and agree to be on the shows. Um, and so I've met with them prior to the appearance. Right. To learn their story, to get those details, and to serve them up yep. so that uh, the host um, is well prepared to do the interview. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's what I got to do. That's my right. job. Well, and I think, so. you know, peop- there's a misperception, I think, with media because people will click on the sensational, but they'll remember the deep and meaningful. The meaningful. Sure, yeah. sure. Uh, and hopefully it encourages people to go forth and have a listening ear for other people, right? We yep. talk about that dignity and to go forth and volunteer, whether it be with American Cancer Society or Feeding Tampa Bay or something that touches their heart. Anytime, you know, any of the media people is like, you know, be involved with Feeding Tampa Bay or find somewhere you can help to encourage our community. 
uh, to lift someone up. So. Yeah, I, I have that conversation it's all the time thing. with people about, you know, asking just how do I get plugged into the nonprofit world? And I always say, follow your passion. Right. You know, there's going to be something that you care deeply about. If you're a foodie, great. You got lots of things that you can right. do. You know, if you have a family member who's been touched by cancer and, and that's something where you, you feel like you have some gifts that you can right. give back, then give Ernest a call. And, you know, right. there, there are so many other ways that we can contribute. And that's the stuff that we value and remember later in life as we look back and, and we think about the ways we contributed to other people's yeah. stories. Right. So, since I've been making requests of people. We're teeing it up here. Just I have a request for my friends at Feeding Tampa Bay. Can you help me? Of course. Of course. Just agree. Yeah. Don't even worry yes, about it. Yes, I already did. You didn't don't, have to ask. Don't worry about what I'm asking. Save Just yourself agree to for it. somebody else. What you need. Ernest, we're so, in. Um, one of the guests we had with Ryan Gorman um, is a survivor named John Hackett. John is an executive chef at Citibank. I mean, he, he's not just serving hot dogs and hamburgers. This guy... He, he, he's got culinary skills, okay? He showed me some of the dishes he's prepared. Uh, he knows exactly what he's doing. I would just like to respectfully ask if he could be a judge at the Epic Chef Showdown. Oh, we will get me his information. Yeah, I will pass I, it on to I, events and development. We are always looking for someone yeah, yeah, amazing to sit in those seats. Right. I, I think he'd be a, a great judge. Um, you know, he, he, he eats a chef. He understands the preparation involved. And well, if you could do that for me, I think that would be I, great. I would, I would love you guys just a little bit more than I already do. That's only I don't the tip know of the iceberg, possible. Ernest. I think we can think of more that we can do together. Well, I a, do too. It's a good start. It's a good so, start. So there's one thing that, um, I was looking at your website and don't you guys have a healthy, um, lifestyle program as well for, for former patients, current patients? We do. Um, it's another aspect that we probably need to promote a little bit more. But uh, diet is uh, very closely related to um, on uh, treatment, post treatment. Yes, yes, and quite frankly, prevention. Uh, it's yeah, it's related. It's, it's 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 prevention. Um, you know, uh, the healthier your diet is, the less likely you are to end up being diagnosed with cancer. We know that to be fact. That's not conjecture or speculation. Uh, that's what the uh, experts tell us. So we're always uh, promoting that. And that's a big part of what we're striving for, Shannon, is uh, prevention and encouraging people not only to eat better, but to get those screenings that are so necessary and not to take their health for granted. and. You know, for a number of reasons, people are avoiding the screenings and going in to see the doctor to get that checkup. You know, uh, it's a it's a no news is good news right. kind of mentality. Yes, it is. No. It's a very scary thing. Yeah, no. Bad news is okay if we catch it early, early. enough. Yes. That's right. There's so yes. many of these cancers. Now, there's more than 100 cancers, okay? Uh, so, so. You know, every treatment, every protocol is different, but many of them uh, can be curbed if it's detected early. And um, that's a huge message we're trying to get out, not just to the community in general, but um, 
in particular to some of our underserved communities. And um, there's a disparity, as you guys know. There's a health disparity uh, happening in our nation where uh, people from underserved communities, minorities, are dying at a higher rate uh, from cancer. And it's largely because it's not being diagnosed in time. And um, so we have a new effort that we're working on. Mm-hmm. Maybe next time I come back, I'll be able, be able to We'd roll out to a hear. few more All details right. in, in okay. that regard. But um, in, in, in short, we're trying to create what, we, what we're going to call uh, health equity ambassadors. And we want to train it. them. Yes. And, you know, because our staff is only so big. You, we get you guys it. No, yeah, you're at a nonprofit. Oh, yes. You only got so many people. So if we can train some volunteers to, um, you know, learn the lessons of prevention and the importance of screening and then send them out into the community, uh, we're hoping that we can uh, make an impact. And, um, you know, it's just another way that. Uh, as we always like to say at the society, we're attacking cancer from every angle. And prevention is, is certainly one of those angles. Well, and this is another way where our two organizations are so aligned, right? Because we, you know, especially when you talk about health, it is one of our two main priorities, as I mentioned earlier, health and capability. And we know that nutrition has such a huge impact, as you were saying. And it, a lot of people, I think, have this misperception of food banks as all boxes and cans. Right, but you just walk through the warehouse. Yep. Eighty percent of the food we have now is perishable food. It's the outer ring of the grocery store. It's the good stuff, the healthy stuff. And it's also the first stuff that gets cut out of a family budget when the budget gets tight. Yeah, and I and I know talking to you guys, that's a conscious decision. Yes. And and it's also related to the fact that we have these food deserts in our community where people can't uh, access healthy fruits and vegetables and as you say the uh things that are on the outer ring of the grocery store right. so good good for you guys man good that you're not just uh uh delivering the foods that i like <laughs> <laughs> well here i think we're going to do some uh non-profit collaboration right here on air because you know one of the things that we do is 30 to 40 times a month we go out and do direct distributions into the community so we have folks come to us at a central location, often in a food desert, and we distribute six, seven, eight thousand pounds of food to up to three hundred families at a time, mm-hmm. and that's a great opportunity for your team of health ambassadors, health equity yes. ambassadors, to come out and share that story. Right. right? We're we're in front of thousands of people every single right. month, providing this great resource of food. We know food draws more people in than any other social service. And what we want to do here at Feeding Tampa Bay is use that as a lever. We want to use that as a lever all of the other ways we can build health and capability for the rest of the community. Yeah, there's, there's no reason we can't make that happen. Done. No, no reason sounds, at all. It sounds yeah. perfect. And another opportunity we have is for those that are on treatment or post-treatment. And Matt, you can dive into this deeper. We are like a month away, if that food rx programs our food pharmacies are launching and you go with that matt because sure yeah so we're really excited about this we're we're actually uh about to deploy a series of pilot programs around food prescriptions you know it stems back to what you were mentioning earlier that 
we know with decades of research that diet and nutrition play a significant impact on health, whether that's disease avoidance or disease mitigation or just general physical health, mental health, all of those things are affected by diet and nutrition. And so we have insurance partners, we have healthcare partners, we have health systems all partnering with us to see how we can get food to people who need it where they already are to really make a difference from day one. So we have our partners building in two-question food insecurity screeners into their electronic medical records. People don't realize how much of a difference that makes. But if your doctor is asking you, hey, in the last year, have you ever wondered where your next meal was going to come from? ask that question, you get a positive response, then that gives that physician an opportunity to say, you know what, I'm going to write you a prescription. Our partners at Feeding Tampa Bay have a pantry downstairs. They'll give you a couple of days of groceries and their mobile grocery store will be here in your community three times a week. So come visit, get healthy food, you know, build, build back that internal physical health. that's going to help you fight sure. whatever's going on. And, and I think I think people will feel the difference once they once they make that change in their diet. Um, I have people say to me, uh, "What'd you what'd you get for lunch?" Oh, I got a salad today. Well, it's it's probably has just as many calories as a cheeseburger. Yeah, maybe, but I know I feel better. Right, I feel better when I get that salad. I can feel it inside of me. I'm. I'm more energetic. I come back to work after lunch and I get more done. I'm not um I'm not feeling fatigued. I mean, uh I have more energy. All of those things right. come from um improving your diet. That's right. All calories are not created equal. Right. 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 And and so that's one of the things that we really focus on here is foods to encourage the type of food where, you know, an avocado is pretty high in calories, but those are great calories for your body. Those are great calories for your health. And when we can get more of those types of food in places where people don't have easy access to them, it makes a huge difference. Yeah. Now, the avocado on the chicken sandwich with bacon, is that okay? Uh, I'm going to give you a pass on the bacon because who doesn't love bacon? Right, right. right. I, I Lunch is up next. It's, it's the ranch dressing that becomes a problem. Okay. Okay. I'm going to keep that well, in mind. Well, just a little schmear, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Just a little bit to taste. Yeah. Yeah. But avocado is awesome. Oh, yeah. Yes. Like, man. It's funny because that's one of those foods where, you know, as a kid, I'd look at that and, uh, no, I, I don't even know what that is. I don't know how to open it. I don't know what to do with it. No, thank you. But now I put avocado on everything, put it on eggs. Put it on yep. burgers with Staple. Swiss. And, you mm -hmm. know, the, you can put it in every. Put it in a salad. Uh, it's one of those really great, uh, you know, healthy, nutritious, tasty. If you know what to do with it, foods. And that's we actually have a nutrition education team here with all sorts of recipes around things like avocados to help people like me learn what you can do with it to make it taste good. Yeah. <laughs> like me. Like me. <laughs> I love it. This podcast was made possible by the innovative thinking and the funding of Feeding America, a nationwide network of more than 200 food banks that feed more than 46 million people through food pantries, soup kitchens, shelters, and other community-based agencies. So, you know, Ernest, we, we just love having 
you here as part of our community is telling stories uh, about our work. Um, and I know you've, you've been to Trinity Cafe a, a bunch of times. I would love to hear you just share a little bit about what it is about that place that's so special. I think what I find so um, captivating about Trinity Cafe is that uh, when you go, um, the volunteers touch your heart as much as the recipients. To see people who are arriving at 11 a.m., standing in a circle, um, giving a little prayer for everyone who's about to walk through the doors and then to watch them uh, be so diligent in serving those meals uh, with dignity um, on a real plate with real silverware waiting on the recipients. Can I get you another drink? What else? Do you need anything else? Please let me know. And and I have to tell you, um, at a lot of restaurants during lunch, you know, they're trying to flip the tables. That's right. right. You know, you go to some of these places and they're kind of like, hey, 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 can you get up and go so I can get another person in here? Um, at Trinity, we allow the recipients to stay as long uh, as they want, even though there is a line out the door. Most of the recipients are respectful of that and they understand others are waiting. And so they are uh, somewhat diligent and, um, uh, um, you know, enjoying their meal, but not taking too much time. And while they're sitting there, we have a volunteer sitting at the table with them who can engage them in conversation. And uh, when I volunteer, I need to get back to volunteering, Mandy. Yes. But when I would volunteer, <laughs> um, I would wear. You'll have an email once this. I, I, I'm sure. Over. I'm sure I will. <laughs> uh, when I volunteered, I wear my Gator jersey. And maybe wrote, not. Wait, wrote, yeah. Never mind about you that. Have Seminoles. But, the... Yeah, but but <laughs> here's the remarkable thing: I'd wear that Gator jersey, and the recipients, without fail, would engage yes. me in a conversation yeah. about footballs. And so I always made a point of wearing it because it, uh, it it created uh, an entree into a conversation. And what's a meal without a conversation? That's right. That's what. That's what Trinity gets. That's what feeding Tampa Bay gets, that there is a, 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 a spiritual bonding component to providing a meal for someone, uh, whether it's a hot meal at Trinity or um, a, a box full of um, things that they can take home and serve their family. And uh, we can't ever overlook that, that, that special a connection that's built. A connection right? over meals. Yeah. We know it from having meals uh, with our own families. Um, I'll never forget, speaking of, um, when my son was enrolled at the Florida State University. There we go. He had, yeah, you know, he went there. That's poor parenting <laughs> on, on the part of his gator mom and dad. We get better with every generation. But... Um, there was one particular Thanksgiving uh, where he had to work. The restaurant where he worked uh, was open on Thanksgiving Day. And um, uh, I'll be forever grateful uh, to my wife. We prepared uh, a Thanksgiving meal mostly uh, at our home here, loaded it up in trays and 
put them in the bags. I keep everything warm. And we drove to Tallahassee. And when he got off from work, uh, we had our Thanksgiving family dinner in the cramped confines of his one bedroom apartment. But it, it is without a doubt the best Thanksgiving meal I've ever had in my life because we were together yeah. and, and we found a way to, to make it work. And uh, I'd, I'd like to say that I helped prepare some of the dishes, but that would be a lie. <laughs> uh, uh, my wife, Being honest. Yeah, my, my wife carried the, uh, she carried the load that day and um, it was just, it was just awesome. You know, um, and that's the kind of bond, uh, that's the kind of connection that can come uh, from a meal, uh, whether it's a, on a holiday or whether it's just uh, on a Tuesday evening in May. Yeah, right. that's it's such an awesome reminder of why the volunteer opportunity at Trinity Cafe has been routinely chosen as the best place to volunteer in Tampa Bay. Right, because it's as much for the volunteer. That connection goes both ways. Is it? It is a fantastic experience. Our team here internally at Feeding Tampa Bay, our staff goes and volunteers. If anybody starts to get stressed out, anybody starts to kind of get frustrated about their piece of the work, that's what I recommend. I say, hey, right. you know, take this afternoon or this lunchtime, go over, serve at Trinity, and it reconnects people to the mission. It reminds us the power of what we do mm-hmm. and the opportunity to just be face to face one-on-one with somebody around the table. And it, it's a beautiful experience. Yeah. Let me, and let me see if I can get this right. Uh, although you guys should be saying this, I'll try to take the lead just to show off my knowledge. Uh, for those listening to the podcast, uh, there are two Trinity cafe locations. One is on Nebraska Avenue, just North of Columbus drive. They serve lunch uh, Monday through Friday, and then they serve breakfast on Saturday and Sunday. The uh, Feeding Tampa Bay also has Trinity Cafe 2, which is located on Bush Boulevard near 22nd uh, Avenue. That's actually that's on the corner of Bush. On the corner. corner. On the corner of Bush and 22nd. Uh, Trinity 2 also serves lunch Monday through Friday. And breakfast on Saturday and Sunday. and Just Saturday. Oh, just Saturday. And both. Um, and the original Trinity um, serves every day. 365. 365 days a year. And Shannon, I think you might have been there. Uh, the hurricane came through. Yes, I the was. The power was out. Yes, I was. And Trinity still served. We sure as come, heck come did. On. <laughs> I, I need to stand up and clap. There man. we go. Come on. Come on. Get, give it up for Trinity. <laughs> Trinity once had a car accident where the car came through the wall. I was there for into that Into the yeah. meal service. I remember that. And still served that. Yeah. It was called the drive through day. That's right. <laughs> we served in the, a tent out back. I got a tent delivered. We put the, moved the tables out, and I we mean, still served on time. With a car through the cinder block into yes. the... <laughs> And everybody was safe, even the driver of the car. Everybody was safe and everybody was good. But I've got to say something. So you asked Ernest about Trinity Cafe, and he referenced we. I love it. More than anything in the world, I love it that you said we. We. So thank you, friend. Well, I think think my, 
my we may get rescinded if I don't show up and volunteer again. So, <laughs> so. No, well, you come you once a, in your family. You have it, absolutely, and you have a lot on your plate, and I'm really looking forward to um, working together on how we can help those that you serve with our programs that are blossoming soon, and then I know it's going to open the door to even more because, as I know you have heard, and everyone that we can bump into, speak to, see on the television, we... Uh, see a hunger-free Tampa Bay in 2025. I know. And what that means, okay, to make it clear, we have to make this clear every single time we mention it, is it doesn't mean there won't be hungry people. It just means in our 10-county area, they will have access to healthy food. And we will make sure that they are educated on that and it is available to them. And it's not just us that, that have this vision. There are people across the United States in our Feeding America Network that have reached that goal and sustained it. So, you know, we just didn't think this up out of the blue and throw a stake in the ground, as Matt likes to say. This has actually happened in our network, and we're going to make it happen by 2025. And the only way we can do that is working with our other charitable partners, um, with our partners that we work with that help us uh, financially, and then with the community. Uh, the compassionate and amazing community that we have in Tampa Bay. So we're yeah. doing it. You know, the and first, you said we, so that means you're helping. So the first time feeding Tampa Bay announced that goal, I, I think I just said, "Man, are you for real?" And, yeah. and yes, yeah. we are. Yeah, got everybody's attention yeah. now, didn't we? Uh, and, and 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 a quick response: Yes, yes, yes. We're we serious. Are. We're committed to it for sure, and we know that it can be done. We know that it takes partners like. American Cancer Society, like great storytellers. We know that in 2025, everybody who's in need of a meal will know where to be able to get one. Right. Awesome. Awesome. Um, so are we, are we wrapping up? We are. I think so. Are you tired of us already? Um, no, no. But if we're wrapping up, I'll tell my favorite story. Who wants to hear my favorite story? I oh, do. I do. Aaron, I'm do you want to hear my favorite story? Yeah, if you want to hear my favorite story. I absolutely do. Okay. Uh, people always ask, what, is, what was the best story you wrote for the Times? I'll start at the beginning. Um, so, in 1920, my grandmother moved to Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, she was 18 years old. She proceeded to live in Atlanta for the next 98 years. Uh, ooh, my math is, is bad. <laughs> uh, it's something like that. Maybe 88? 88. She proceeded to live in Atlanta for the next 88 years. So when you're 106 and you've lived in the same town all your life, you're kind of a celebrity. Like, like people know you. So in 2008, she goes to early vote in the presidential election. She's 106 years old, born in the shadow of slavery. And here she is casting her vote for uh, someone who could become the first African-American president. So it's a story. A couple of local TV stations show up to record this moment. The mayor of Atlanta is there to greet her. They're friends. Um, and, and, uh, my grandmother very proudly, you know, steps into the booth 
and, and, and cast her vote. So Don Lemon at CNN sees the local stories and decides, I'm going to do a story on Ann Nixon Cooper for CNN. So he does that story. It's the Friday before Election Day. He goes out, talks to her, airs a story. It's very heartwarming. Uh, my grandmother's very loquacious, very verbose, tells great stories, kind of like somebody else I know. <laughs> so the next day, my brother is visiting. And of course, my grandmother is out with her friends because even at 106, you know, there's no slowing her down. And so my brother checks the answering machine and the first call is from a solicitor and the second call is from a friend. And the third call is, hello. Mrs. Cooper, this is Senator Obama. I saw the story on CNN, and I just called to thank you for your support. So we all freak out, right? Yes. Like, and, and it's one of those uh, old answering machines with the micro cassette recorder. We take the tape out. We seal it in a bag. I think it's in a bank vault somewhere today. <laughs> so it's like awesome, right? You know, like Senator Obama called my grandmother. Very cool. So. Um, so that's, that's the story, right? Oh no, there's more. more I I knew there was more to this story. As they say, as they say on the uh, Ginsu knife commercial, wait, wait. there's more. more. So on election day, uh, someone calls from the Obama campaign and they say, Hey, Mrs. Cooper, if Senator Obama should be fortunate enough to win tonight, he's going to mention you in his acceptance speech. So she calls around, tells everyone, and we're all going to like, on pins and needles. Uh, Obama wins. It's after midnight. I'm sitting uh, in my house. All the lights are off. Just the glow of the TV. And they're broadcasting live from Grant Park in Chicago. And there's 200,000 people there. And there's this massive stage. And, and Oprah is there. And she's crying. And Jesse Jackson's there. And he's crying. And all of these people have tears in their eyes for this historic moment. And he comes out and he begins his speech. And I'm like waiting for him to mention my grandmother. And he goes into a portion of the speech and he begins to thank people. And of course, he, he thanks Michelle, uh, his best friend, uh, and who will be the next first lady. And he thanks the kids and says, you're going to get that dog you wanted. And he thanks his campaign manager, uh, David Pluff, and his communications director, David Axelrod. And I'm like, here it oh, is. He's, he's going to thank oh. my grandmother. And he just keeps going. And he doesn't thank her. And then he starts talking about some other stuff. And red states and blue states and representing all the people. And, uh, da, 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 da. and I'm like, okay, it's all right. The leader of the free world. The new leader of the free world changed his mind. It's not going to mention my grandmother's cool. I'm good. So he's 14 minutes into the speech. And he hasn't said anything about my grandmother. And then he says, there are a lot of people who stood in line to cast their vote in this election. But I want to talk about one special person. Ann Nixon Cooper in Atlanta, Georgia, is 106 years old. And then he begins to build the last five minutes of that speech around my grandmother's remarkable life. And he talks about all the things uh, she has witnessed 
in her 106 years, the Great Depression, World War II, VE Day, VJ Day, a bus in Montgomery, a bridge in Selma, fire hoses in Birmingham, a man landing on the moon, the Berlin Wall coming down. And he concludes by saying, if my daughters should be as lucky as Ann Nixon Cooper to live 106 years old, what changes will they see? What challenges will we have addressed as a nation? So, uh, it's like phenomenal, right? And, um, you know, that's the message I want to leave with everyone who's listening to this podcast is, you know, we have to address those challenges and we have to bring about more change to make our society um, a better place. And just to give you the epilogue real quick, uh, my grandmother was famous for 15 minutes. A bunch of TV stations came by the house the next day and uh, NBC, ABC, BBC, crew from India, a crew from Japan. She ended up getting a book deal out of it. And um, it's, a, it's a memoir about her whole life. And the book was published just before she passed away in 2009. She got a chance to see the book. And it's just it's a terrific little book. It's not real long. If anybody's out there uh, listening, it's called um, A Century and Some Change. My life before the president called my name and Nixon Cooper. Wow. You want to wow. pick it up? I do. So that's my best story. That is a great, well, great story. And that, my friends, is how you stick a fork in it. <laughs> <laughs> Ernest, thank you so much for being here. No, thanks. Shannon, Matt, Ev, Aaron, thanks for having me. Ann Nixon Cooper is 106 years old. She was born just a generation past slavery. And tonight, I think about all that she's seen throughout her century in America. The heartache and the hope, the struggle and the progress. The times we were told that we can't. And the people who pressed on with that American creed, yes, we can. Hey, everybody. Welcome to What the Food Bank, our, uh, our, our post-episode recap. I'm here with Shannon and Matt. Um, I'm the engineer, Ev Malkin. And uh, I just wanted to talk about a couple of really interesting things that uh, Ernest brought up during the show that are um, at the heart of what we do here at the Feed Bank, at the Food Bank and at Feeding Tampa Bay. Um, and the term that he used a lot that really kept catching my ear today was people in the margins. Um, the people whose stories aren't uh, told often enough, the people who maybe aren't recognized. Um, or at least aren't recognized in a way um, that is positive. And the way that he put it uh, when he was talking about his own storytelling was that he was working to create a vision to help people recognize that the people that were helping aren't bad people. They're not freeloaders. Um, they're not sponging off the system, but they're some of the most deserving people in the community. And that's something that we see every day whenever we get to interact with them, whether it's at Trinity Cafe or a mobile pantry or even people coming to shop here in the warehouse, um, we get to actually talk to these people and like and see them as a person and see what their life is like. Um, and I, I kind of wanted to get some insight from you guys about 
um, what people might not see about these people that are in the margins that we get to work with on a daily basis? You know, I think it's a great question because there's so many misconceptions around who we serve and why we serve them. And it's really so much less about what they've done or where they've been or, or what's going on in their life. Then it's just, we have an opportunity. We have a resource and there are people in our community who are in need of that resource and need of that opportunity. And who are we if we don't offer it? You know, and, and I think I'd add to that. There's a, there's an element of, you know, we stand for things here at Feeding Tampa Bay, but one of my favorite authors is, when he talks about that, he says, it doesn't really matter what you say you stand for. What matters is who you stand with. And so that's what we try to live out. That's what Trinity does every day. That's what most of our programs do every day. And our partners who are out in the community putting food in people's hands, on people's tables, it's not at all about what we're standing for. It's really who we're standing with. And we're standing with folks in our community who have jobs, who have responsibilities, who have people that count on them. And all they need is a little extra hand. And it would be so easy for that to be me. And in fact, I have really great friends. I have relatives. I have people in my life that are in my life all the time who have been in that place. You know, uh, and, and I think that's really, if, if we get any kind of message about talking about people in the margins, I would, I would want people to know two things. Number one, it's not like people choose to be in the margin or on the margin. It's not like people choose to be in a place where they don't feel connected to community. And I would say it's so easy. There's so many little things that could trip somebody up, an unexpected medical bill or, you know, a job that you have a great job, but your company relocates and you don't want to relocate because your ailing grandparent lives in the community. There are just a million different things. Or, you know, as Ernest was talking about cancer and what cancer can do and all the devastating effects that can have financially on everybody around that person, not even just that family. And to me, I, I think it's so important. It's why when you come in to our facility, you see faces of people who we are in relationship with. It's not just somebody who we hand a box of food to and say goodbye. I hope we never see you again. It's people we're in relationship with. It's why we sit somebody, a volunteer experience at Trinity Cafe can be just sitting at the table. And it's so valuable. You know, I think about it and I cherish the time that I had with my father at the table um, and my mother and my sister growing up. And we made that a point as our family that we would eat dinner together. And I try to do that with my family and our lives are insane. We're in a hundred <laughs> different things, moving in 26 different directions. But we always come back to the table. And if you don't have any food to put on that table, that's not a place of connection and hope and happiness. You know, could you imagine sitting around a table to try to build community, but not having anything to share or snack on or eat? Right. And that's what we fight against every day. Absolutely. I, 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 I well, that was one of the, my favorite things that Ernest mentioned was, uh, 
that um, you know when one of the great things about Trinity is those connections that you get to build when you're there. And um, you know, people who are familiar with our work may know that uh, one of the volunteer opportunities is to be a table host. You know, not even necessarily serving the food, but just talking to the people, just creating that atmosphere of inclusion and um, dignity and and respect and conversation and acceptance and um, you know, and that's as important, I think, as the food is, you know. Yes, yeah. if not more on some days. Very people, true. Really. I can't tell you how many times I've talked to a volunteer or a staff member at Trinity or, you know, somebody who just came to visit to see what we're all about. And they'll share that the person they talked to said, hey, you might be the only person I talked to today. You know, you might be the only person they interact with and it might be the only meal they eat. And when we have that opportunity, it's so important uh, to be in that moment, right? Now and here and this. That's, that's another thing the same author, Greg Boyle, talks about. He talks about being in the now in that moment, focusing all your time and energy and attention here with the people in front of you, around the table with you. And the most important thing in your life being this experience, this connection, this relationship. And if you can do that for two hours in a day, it's amazing how much that fills you up, much less what it offers to the others around the table. Absolutely. And, and it also teaches you a lot about the things that, that they're dealing with. You know, like you mentioned, uh, how it could be any one of us just because of a medical bill. You know, Ernest mentioned in way of barriers that people face, you know, one of those things being that someone might miss a chemotherapy treatment because the people in their lives are not able to help them any longer to get to those things. And you know, he mentioned, why would you ever miss a chemo appointment? But that's easy to imagine when you're not there in that situation. And, you know, realizing that your resources have run dry, and you just are stuck. Um, right. And I think that that was another one of the just most interesting things that, you know, was pointed out that that I think people don't realize about barriers is that they are they are plentiful. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, the other thing that I, you know, I uh, really stuck out to me when we were talking to Ernest was, um, he got to store the food bank, and he mentioned that he Notice that a lot of what we have here is uh, not just um, boxes and cans, not just stuff that sits on the shelf forever. It's not all jars of peanut butter. Um, we have a lot of produce. We have a lot of, um, you know, uh, juice and eggs and milk and meat and stuff that uh, you don't normally see at a food bank. And um, that's one of the misconceptions a lot of people have is they come, they expect that a food bank just gives you cans of food. And that's, and that's kind of all that it is. And, and that's been an active uh thing on our part are, that we're trying to do. And, you know, and I, I wanted to kind of further dispel that myth about us that we just give out boxes of canned food. <laughs> well, if you think about it, what do you crave? I mean, I do understand that we crave on those cheat days, you know, whatever it is that is your, your vice or what you want, but our bodies crave healthy food. And whether wherever you are in your life, um, our neighbors deserve access to that food. And that's what Feeding, feeding Tampa Bay has um, made a point to move in that direction and not just be a stopgap and, and handing cans, which some canned foods can be prepared in such a way. We're not dissing the canned foods or, or the macaroni and cheese is a great side. But you know what? Having that chicken and, and the fresh vegetables and corn and a fresh salad. You know, I think uh, Ernest mentioned how he feels that a, a hamburger is great. But how great do you feel when you've eaten a freshly prepared salad? And we went into how wonderful an avocado is as a side. 
you know, all those fresh foods are better for you as a person. You know, we touched on um, health and capability and how important that is to us as a brand and how we're going to sustain that. And that's how we're going to reach our goal as a hunger-free Tampa Bay, not just giving the access to the food so people know how to get to the food in our 10-county region, but what's going to be there at the end of the line when you show up. And how does that feel? We've all experienced our fresh pantries. And I'll tell you what it feels like to see some the joy on somebody's face um, when they see the display roll out and there's fresh blueberries, watermelon, bananas, green beans. You know, it's like the effort that we make as someone who's going to pay for something to drive to a fresh produce market. We're providing that for those that we serve and everyone deserves that opportunity. And that's what Feeding Tampa Bay is doing. So when Ernest came in, when I brought him in to come back to talk with us, he saw the uh, public's community market, you know, and that's really what we all should be able to have access to. And it's what we're going to give, you know, we're going to do that for Tampa Bay. That's what we're doing now. And it's what we're going to continue to do. And we're going to figure out ways to do it. And that's who we are. Yeah. And he talked a little bit about um, health equity as well. And one of the things that struck me as I got to know our healthcare partners much better is when they look at health outcomes, the number one determinant is somebody's zip code. Interesting. I would not have expected that. <laughs> right? And, and why? The why is because of access to food and resources and capability. And so that's exactly what we're working on with bringing food to where people are and bringing the right kind of food in the right time, in the right place, so that people can be healthy and have capability. Yeah, I, you know, something that, Matt, that you said during the episode when Ernest was talking about that is that um, in, in stocking sort of the, what we call outer ring of the grocery store, all of the, the produce and the healthy fresh items, um, you mentioned that that's often the first thing to go when money is short because it's expensive. It it's very expensive to eat healthy. Yeah. And that's why a lot of people end up going to McDonald's or just buying a, a can of soup, you know. Right. Yeah, you can eat ramen for three weeks for the mm-hmm. same price as a, really good you know selection of fruits and vegetables and and so that's that is a huge challenge for us it really is and it's it's great to hear somebody like Ernest, who has such influence in our community who is so well thought of to understand that you know to really be able to tell that story for us and with us and you know it's not his job to come in here and and highlight what we do but when you get to know us, you see it. Yeah. And you can't unsee it. Well, it was really great to have Ernest in. And I'll tell you, I kind of backed off, stayed in the margin, if you will, <laughs> because I saw how uh, Matt was really enjoying talking to Ernest. And I'll tell you, I was moved to hear Ernest say we. Yeah, yeah. So often. Like definitely. he is, uh, he's really put himself over the years um, in a place of feeling a part of what our mission is about. We open the doors to talk about now what his mission is about uh, with the Cancer Society of Florida and um, how we can work together in the future with our programs and how we can really help and uh, focus on uh, people in need uh, in the cancer world, which was, is really exciting to me because it's, uh, I think uh, everyone that can hear us has had cancer touch their life in some way. And uh, knows what a journey, um, really, honestly, a horrific journey that is not only for the person who uh, is diagnosed, but for the family that surrounds them at that time. So uh, today was really meaningful, and uh, I enjoyed talking to him, and I'm really excited 
Uh, he does want to come back. He is a podcast fan. Yeah. Uh, he has his own show if you want to tune in. Dishonorable mentions. Yeah, it's great. Be it's, ready because it, it's, it's quite a journey, it's, quite a ride. Yeah. There's a lot to choose from. They've been doing it for a while, so everyone can listen into that. But he's going to come back, and it's, it might be a little more, uh, a, a little more jovial, yeah. fun. <laughs> right. We're going to uh, dig a little deeper into some of those fun stories that he has, but he will be returning yeah. to stick a fork in it and uh, joining us again. So that'll be a lot of fun. Looking forward to that. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. And thank you all for listening to another episode of Stick a Fork in It, and we will see all of you in the same place next time. You can learn more about Feeding Tampa Bay and how to join the movement at feedingtampabay.org. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Feeding Tampa Bay. You can learn more about the American Cancer Society and their mission by searching American Cancer Society on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Instagram.